Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash superstuff and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash superstuff and get started today. This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Hello, citizens, and for the 50th time, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. And I'm Spider-Ham. Peter Porker. (laughs) He's here. And I'm Brian. And we are the Cape Podcasters. This is the first animated podcast you're ever going to listen to. Is it? It's the the first animated super podcast. Something like that. We're animated now. We are cartoons. That's right. Today, we got a special one. Very special. Because it's a good one? One that I've been waiting a while to talk about. About 50 episodes, because we talked about this one a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Happy 50, bud. Happy 50. Happy this is one exciting. year. This That's is crazy. Busy. That's strange how that worked out, but. Yeah. Cool. Neat. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse. All the way through it. Oscar winner. Yes. For best animated feature film. The sixth non-Pixar winner of that category. That's pretty wild. That's pretty good. <laughs> Do you think most of those Pixar should win though? Yeah, for the most like, part, yes. Brave. Pretty... Did Brave win? Brave sucked. I don't. I don't think. I don't know. That's a good question. That's not a very good one. I'd rather not know and just assume it didn't. I'm okay with that. They say her name is like Merida or something like that, but whenever they say it with the accent, it's Merida. Hate it. It just sounds like murder. Murder. Right. I don't like it one bit. No reason for that. No. But Spider Man. But Spider-Man, you've seen this thing, right? Of course, yeah. you, saw, how, you saw this thing how many times in theaters? Uh, three while it was in theaters. Holy crap. And uh, this is the first time since. Really? Yeah. That's all right. You've so, never seen it on a small screen. Because never. This is the second movie you joined me for? Yeah. You're in the Fortress what on the, the first? 120 uh, Batman, take six. Right, right, right. But the 120-inch projector in the Fortress. Of course. Because this one, you needed to watch big. The Colors, Duke, The Colors. The Colors. Oh, man. What a cool-looking movie. It's very, very cool looking. Some would say it's art. You could say that. I would say that. Some wouldn't. Some small, short Italian directors. I mean, you know, throw a De Niro or DiCaprio in it and he'd probably love this it. It's not art. <laughs> we'll get there. We will. It's for a whole sure. thing right now. <laughs> Somehow it keeps becoming more and more of a thing. Uh, what do you think of this thing? I love this movie. Yeah? I will not hide it ever. I love this movie. What do you love about it? Everything. Oh, okay. That's the a- good. The animation style, the message, the acting, everything about this movie. That's because is it's not just acting. Right. And it has Nick Cage in it, which is crazy that it's not acting. It gets close. <laughs> but but he's- I would say that he hams it up, but there's Peter Porker. Spider-Ham. <laughs> hey! There's just no way. That's fun. A little wordplay in there. That was good, Dave. We did it. We got the wordplay segment out of the way early this time. Baloney. Also a ham product. <laughs> what did you think about this? First time I saw it, I feel like I forced myself to watch it because it had just come out on Blu-ray. And everybody and was like, you got to see this movie. Yeah. And then sure. I watched it and I went, meh. What? Which, yeah, that's wild. And this time I watched it and went, cool. Okay. That's better. It is much better. I, I really, really like this movie. Good. Good. I have 
issues with it. I mean, it, you wouldn't be you if you didn't. No, and I remember there was uh, <laughs> there was a moment somewhere far back, like right when we started, and we had talked about doing this movie. Yeah. Or maybe it was like December or something like that. I don't remember what it was. It was early on in the run. And you even said like you were not looking forward to this movie for that reason, that if I found something wrong, I might ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah, but after rewatching it, I don't think there's any way you could. I think you're right. So I don't think I can ruin it, but it has a lot of issues. But they're so minute that sure. who gives a damn? Right. It's an animated Spider-Man. I mean, I have Come a, on. at least one issue with the movie. That's so. fair. What is this thing about? This is... The story of Miles Morales. Very cool to start. It start well before we even get into any of the actual movie. We're already getting glitching on the Columbia Pictures logo. Sure. And the seal of approval of the Comics Code Authority, which is just a neat touch. Which is just when I saw it the first time, I was like, "Oh, that's cool." It is cool. It's just a just a little like it's the first of many winks. I'm not going to go ding because Stan Lee was against the Comics Code Authority. Only because they wouldn't let him portray drug use even in a negative light. Right. Um, Which is interesting why they chose to put this on but the then front they, of this movie. they amended the Comics Code Authority in like 73 or something. To, so. Yeah, because they did the whole, uh, I want to say Harry got addicted to something. And I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I think you're right. But that was the whole issue. It's easy to look into, but. Yeah. Not going to. Carry on. Carry on, my wayward son. Before we meet Miles, we're introduced to Peter Parker, the one and only Spider-Man in a fast-paced montage. You've probably heard of him. He's saved New York a ton of times. He has his own comics, a breakfast cereal, and even a Christmas album. And he loves being Spider-Man. He loves it! Then we meet Miles. He's an awkward teenager, hurriedly getting ready to head to a new private school. He passes his former middle school on the way out, greeting friends and slapping up stickers on street signs only to trip on his shoelaces and be met by a police car driven by his own father. This is Pops. Jefferson Davis, voiced by Brian Tyree Henry. Sure. And he drives Miles the rest of the way to school. And embarrasses him on the way. And embarrasses the hell out of him. Right when he parks, Miles gets out of the car and he says, gets on the the, the microphone, the loudspeaker there at the car and says, say you love me. <laughs> say I love you too, Dad. That's so good. That's so great. And it immediately sets up the relationship that... This family dynamic and whatnot. Uh, I think it does, but I don't think it does all at the same time. Uh, there's the whole getting ready scene too when he's going through the house and yeah, but and he, you see his, his we'll Puerto Rican mother and his black father. And... This was weird to me. This is very funny, yeah. but I think it's so out of place in this movie. Really? In the sense of the relationship. Yeah, because here he is kind of messing with his son a little bit. Well, yeah. If you will, and he knows he's messing with him. Like, yeah, fuck this kid for a hot second because I can't. I'm his daddy. <laughs> but then after that, it's all very serious with him. Like, it's time to grow up right now. Like, you've made a commitment to this school, all that stuff later on when he wants to come home and spend the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very odd that it happens in the span of a day for the most part. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Keep it going. Late to class, Miles cracks a joke about relativity and how maybe everybody else is just early. It's and, a very good joke. And he gets one laugh. Yeah. And it's from another new kid, who we find out later is Gwen Stacy. Sure. Voiced by Haley Steinfeld. We should mention Shamik Moore. He voices Miles. We did it. We mentioned it. He's very good. He's pretty good in this. He's got a lot of energy just in his voice. Yeah, he does I, a lot of cool things. I guess when they brought him in, they were like, this is the guy, just based on his voice. They're like, there's so much we could do with the animation just because of the way he talks. Sure. Later on, Miles sneaks out of his dorm to visit his Uncle Aaron, the black sheep of the family, who teaches Miles about the shoulder touch. Voiced by Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Oscar winner Mahershala Ali. 
This movie's full of them. Yeah. And then it won one. Eventually. Pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Very quickly. You don't eventually win an Oscar for a single film. Right. <laughs> That's not how it works. Nope, not at all. Uncle Aaron brings Miles to a spot in an abandoned subway to do some graffiti because he supports Miles' artwork. And he's the cool uncle. And he's the cool uncle. Bottom those Jordans, which I love. Yeah, they're pretty neat. They are. I've always been a fan of Jordan 1s. Sure. While there, Miles is bitten by a spider that's been showing some strange behavior. Yeah, I'm going to give you this one. Oh, well, definitely. It's your heavy-handed moment of this movie. It's one of the few. Yeah, it's a... It's Might a, be the only one, really. A glitchy but it has spider. To kind of, it has to kind of be it, so I get it. Then again, I mean, you probably could have done a subtle spider, and people have been like, yeah, okay, know yep. what that's about. Oh, that's that's going to bite him. That's <laughs> going to bite him. <laughs> they really they really stretch it out. Here comes the spider. They Giddy. sure do. <laughs> the next day, Miles is feeling strange. Taller, sweaty. His thoughts are loud. All signs of puberty. Loud thoughts. Oh, yeah, he brushes it off his puberty and goes about his day. He attempts the shoulder touch with Gwen. Hey. I don't want to talk about that because that's, I'm going to throw it back. That's some Mark Steven Johnson bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't appreciate that. Hey. Uh, <laughs> it gets worse because then he gets sticky hands. Yep. And he's. Which teenagers having sticky hands you know, only puberty. mean one thing. Puberty. Yeah. So he's stuck to her hair. Yeah, not good. Uh, She's she, saying no. She has to get it cut off. Yeah, it's bad. Because he can't, he doesn't know how to let go. He doesn't know how to undo the, the sticky stuff. It's not good. This is a bad part of the movie. (laughs) It's a real bad part. It's interesting. Then he's chased off by a security guard that claims to know he snuck out the prior night. When Miles mistakenly hides in the security officer's office, he panics, and he ends up sticking to the walls and the ceiling and leaving through the window and being on the outside of the building. Just kind of walking on the building. He's not even wall crawling. He's wall walking. Right, he's wall walking. And while wearing Jordans, which I question how that works, but yeah, they did that uh, in OG Spider-Man too. It's strange <laughs> how the the science of it all works. Um, but he, he ends up back in his own dorm room, amazed by his newfound abilities and thinking he could be another Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So he goes and tests out the his powers poorly, as you do, <laughs> as is tradition. Yeah, he, he goes to jump off a building and goes, nope, that building's too high. Right, goes to another building, tries to jump off that one and falls. Still doesn't work. Nope. He returns to the scene of the spider bite and sees it glitch. And then his spider sense kicks in, alerting him to danger. Danger nearby. Danger nearby. Oh, I, there are more heavy-handed moments. Duck. Never mind. Yeah, because what does he find, Brian? He finds the Green Goblin and Spider-Man fighting. What's heavy-handed about that? That is so convenient that the real Spider-Man would just happen to be right where he is trying to sort this out with that, that spider. I mean, there's... You find out later that there's a reason that his uncle would know about that spot to do the spray painting. You're right. Because he did some, quote unquote, work down there. Some construction. I didn't care for how convenient it was. Okay. The one guy who is like him just happens to be there fighting one of the big, biggest bads that there is in the Spider-Man universe, too. But it all takes place on the the main part of the movie. Like, this is this is the main... It the, is. The collider is where they're headed. Correct. The thing. Correct. It just seemed way too convenient. Welcome to comic books. You're right. You're absolutely (laughs) right. You're absolutely right. Kingpin attempts to launch this super collider, which threatens to destroy the city. What do you think of Kingpin? The look of him. He looks wild. Yeah. Just a big, just black square, just walking with a tiny head. Oh, it's great. Yeah, he looks amazing. We have Schreiber, too, with the voice. Yeah. Crushing it. Just so good. Yeah. So good. 
Spidey takes the time during the fight to help Miles to safety, noticing that he's like him and promising to mentor him. But then some explosion goes off, trapping Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, he gives Miles a drive to shut down the collider when Kingpin tries to launch it again later. And then Kingpin kills Spider-Man. Kingpin smash. Uh, Kingpin smash. Yeah, and he made Spider-Man it was a very bones and probably innards go kablooey. Unceremoniously killing off Spider-Man. Yeah. Whoops. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. I like when he takes Spider-Man's mask off. You see it's like a blonde Spider-Man, blue oh, eyes. We don't like that. Yeah, that's that's not how it's good. But that was just different in general. Yeah. Blonde that's hair, blue eyes, Spider-Man. Is, Spider-Man is, but no. that's neat. Right. Kind of threw you for a loop. Subverting right expectations. Away. Yeah. Then the Prowler chases Miles out into the city, but Miles Prowler gets away. A, he's a purple man. He's a purple man who kind of looks spidery, but more panthery. Right. He's got a badass theme song type thing going on. His sure does. musical cue. It's got like elephants Brrr. in it. Yeah. It's got elephants it's in it. Very cool. Miles gets away, but he breaks the drive in the process. Hey, how about that? The news breaks that Spider-Man is dead and the city is shook. I actually really like the weight of his death. Absolutely. How it's all over these billboards. Everyone's looking at their phones because they clearly sad. just got the alert. Right. Oh, Spider-Man's dead. Everyone's sad. Also, he's Peter Parker. Right. Now the whole world knows. Right. Miles buys a Spider-Man costume, and uh, we get a moment with, with Stan. This is a beautiful moment. It's so good. I don't want to ask. This one didn't get snapped. No, not a chance. Uh, he says, I'm sure going to miss him. And uh, seeing that in theaters the first time. Probably broke everyone, because this movie oh, came out only, what, a month after very, he passed away? Yeah, it was, it was very this was, soon. Was this the first? After he had passed? I think so. And it's a brutal one, because even Miles says, like, uh, it's, I don't think it's going to fit. And Stan says, it always fits, It eventually. always fits, eventually. But that then also they beautiful. pan to his no return sign to make it a joke. That is beautiful. But it's just so good. Perfect. I just, Absolutely got, a, I just got a little misty perfect. thinking about it. I see that you're a little misty thinking about <laughs> it. For what it's worth, that's not the only Stan Lee in this. That's true. Because Stan is everywhere. I don't know how many Stans are in this. Did you get the number? I've only read that there are dozens. There, he's in a lot of scenes, just I guess, tucked um, away and in moving things. There were like 177 yeah. animators in this movie, and everybody wanted to have their own stand scene. Yeah. So basically, anytime a sub goes, uh, a train goes by, or a bus yep. stands on it. Yep. <laughs> why not? Because why not? How great is that? It's brilliant. Miles attends Spider-Man's memorial service, where Mary Jane delivers a eulogy that inspires Miles to take up the mantle. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. I, it's it's silly because it's like a forced Mary Jane to me. <laughs> it's like the one redhead in the whole city. That's true. And we're gonna put her behind the mic saying, "Hey, you with the S on your chest, it means hope." <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense that they have his wife deliver his eulogy. I, it would. And of course, but she's she- like a very prominent individual in the city. Well, she's probably you know that famous actress Mary Jane. On all the billboards? Yeah. Just staring? The billboards that are more <laughs> lifelike than Kirsten Dunst? Oh, wow. That came up quick. <laughs> Miles later visits Peter's grave to apologize for breaking the drive, but he's met by a strange older Peter Parker, who he accidentally zaps in unconscious. Doesn't know he does it. And then he has, has no idea how he zaps him. Right. He just does it. And then right. he goes, oh, crap. Yeah. And then the cops are obviously there. And then he realizes he's Spider-Man, and he's got to drag his unconscious body through yeah. the city. Yeah. I like what the cops say. Hey, kid, put that homeless man down. <laughs> great. When this Peter comes to, we get a montage, and we find out that he's been doing the Spider-Man thing longer, has divorced Mary Jane because he doesn't want kids, and is generally not thrilled about the whole super thing anymore, and the super collider yanked him into this dimension. Yeah, this Peter is a mess, to put it lightly. He's got yeah. sweatpants on. He's He's got himself a belly. 
The first Peter Parker, Chris Pine. Sure. This Peter Parker, Jake Johnson. How cool is that? I love it. It's a very cool choice. It's excellent. And he really fits the attitude. Yeah. He's like a piece of shit Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, From another ah, whatever, kid. Yeah. I don't want to do any of this. I'll train you, I guess. Eventually, he gets to that point. Eventually, yeah. It took a while. Miles basically tells Peter what's going on, but he refuses to mentor Miles until he's guilt-tripped into it. And then their first mission is to replace the broken goober. What a cool term to use for any of this stuff. It's pretty he, always, he says that there's like always something. There's always some device to there's shit. always that a MacGuffin. That, yeah. Yeah. Calls it a goober. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. I love that they don't even bury it. They're just like, yeah, this is the MacGuffin. Whatever. We're going to do this. Yeah. This is one of the MacGuffins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the two break into Alchemex Labs, where they overhear Kingpin and Tombstone pressuring Dr. Olivia into getting the Collider back online. We find out Kingpin's motivation is to bring back his wife and son from another dimension after they had witnessed Kingpin attempting to kill Spider-Man and fled and then died in a tragic accident. Sure, Kingpin's a bad guy. Just to put that out there. What? If you haven't caught that already, spoiler alert. Oh, he's a baddie. The guy that killed Spider-Man earlier yeah, is bad? he's a bad guy. Yeah, but he loves his wife and son. He does. And he wants them to be not dead anymore. Yep. Miles and Peter sneak into the lab, and Miles can't unstick himself from the ceiling, making a lot of noise, blowing their cover. He's very bad at all of this. He's, you could tell he's he's pretty green. Uh, what's what's greener than green? I don't even know at that point. Oh, he's, I thought you were going to- It's gonna, brutal. I was like, is this a Kermit the Frog joke? What are you- Oh, I don't even know. If anything, <laughs> it's like Fifth Element. Oh, okay. Super green. <laughs> what's greener than green? <laughs> he's bad at this. He doesn't understand. Very. He's like shaking a light that he's hanging on and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's so obvious- Peter's saying, yo, calm the fuck down, kid. What are hey, you doing? All you have to do is just I'm relax. I'm a piece of shit, and, and I'm doing better than you. <laughs> Granted, he's been doing it like 30 years. Yeah, but he's like reluctant to do it. Yeah, I don't know. He does, however, discover he can become invisible after he lands and gets spooked. Yep. Um, Spider-Man attempts to distract Dr. Olivia while Miles hacks into her computer to retrieve their files, but it turns out in this universe, she's Doc Ock. Very cool twist. Awesome reveal. Love it. So good. And they hint at it so early on. She's barely on screen leading up to it, which is right. perfect when, when it Peter, does happen. Or when Miles is late to class earlier in the movie. There's a video of her on. She's yeah, on the, but, and it says Dr. Olivia, and he's standing in front of her last name, which yeah. is just brilliant. Miles decides to run off with the whole computer, and the two run from Alchemex being attacked by every scientist you in the place. the files are in the computer? <laughs> Break it open. Zoolander style? Brilliant. <laughs> While fleeing in the woods, Doc Ock is hot on their trails, and just when you think she's going to catch him, she's beaten by a newcomer, Spider-Woman. Why not have another one? It's Gwen Stacy. Sure is. From earlier in the movie. Yep. And she's also from another alternate dimension. We get her backstory montage, and then she's part of the team. I like the way they introduce all the montages. Yes. How they do an origin for each one. Saying, and they, they slap a comic book down in the same- Right. And they just go like, listen, I'm going to explain this one more time. As yeah. they restarted every single time. It's so well I was well bitten done. by a radioactive spider. I saved my father, but couldn't save my friend Peter. Then I was in a band, and then I was brought here. Yada, yada, yada. Bam. With the computer in their possession, the three go to visit Aunt May to get a new goober made. This Aunt May this kicks is every ass that's ever existed. The most badass Aunt May that's ever been. Yeah. She's amazing. She's got the spider lair It's in the backyard. Let's be honest. It's a spider cave. It's very cool. It's a bat cave, but it's Spider-Man. Yeah, it's just in the shed and it drops down and then there's all the spider suits. All, well, there's- A lot of spider suits. A lot of spider suits. It's so good. All set up like like Tony Stark 
armor. Sure. It's a Marvel movie. Well, in association with Marvel. It's an in association with Marvel movie. They really hit that hard <laughs> in the opening. <laughs> Again. Not as hard as Venom, but No, but they do you hit think that like Marvel's going like an association? Don't take the in association. This is one of the good ones. <laughs> it's like, no, just say Marvel. <laughs> just don't say studios. We're good. In the Spider Cave, Aunt May introduces them to 1930s Spider-Man Noir. Nick Cage. Nick Cage doing his best Humphrey Bogart impression. Oh my God, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Oscar winner, Nick Cage. Yes. Penny Parker and her spider robot armor, SP slash slash DR. I think it's just pronounced spider. Fine. From the yeah. future. Uh, they're, they're all anime manga style. And then the hero of the movie. John Mulaney's Spider-Ham. Oh, it's so good. Peter Porker. He's my favorite thing about this movie. Oh, when he's he come, he's phenomenal. out of left field. That's why. He's an entirely different style of animation right. slapped in. He looks like different. a Looney Tune just dropped into the movie. Wonderful choice. His first feature film. He's you know wonderful. John Mulaney? Yes. I, did, sure I thought, would have thought he had done something before this. I agree. It's amazing that, well, then again, he's got that voice that's like, unless you're going to set it in the 50s. His stand-up <laughs> specials, man. With that voice. He's oh, brilliant. Chef's kiss. He's, mwah. Mwah. He somehow makes it work for Big Mouth. Yeah, he does. You're right. Then again, that's a child. Fair. Kind of works. Each of the spider people volunteers to stay behind and destroy the collider while the rest of them return to their respective dimensions. Miles says it has to be him since this is his dimension and anyone else who stays would die. Peter backs him up, but Miles can't prove that he has control over his powers, so everybody kind of turns on him. Very quickly. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. It's almost bullying to a point. (laughs) Yeah, it's very... Yes, you're right. Do the web thing. Do the invisible thing. Do the electric thing. You can't. Well, fuck you. And he gets all sad and invisible and goes up the elevator and goes to visit his Uncle Aaron, where he's going to confide in him or something. Or something. He shows up and Uncle Aaron's not there. But but the Prowler is. But the Prowler shows up and it turns out to be Uncle Aaron. He kind of chases him around the apartment and then he unmasks and it's like, (sighs) hold on, I'm holding up my hands. Oh, they're so heavy. Oh, no. What's heavy handed about this? Who didn't see that coming? Oh, I mean, I fought it, I fought it off. We're okay. Okay, I fought right. it off. Is it because he has a giant poster on his behind his couch with a picture of a panther on it that says Prowler yep. on it? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> oh god, I couldn't oh. hold it anymore. <laughs> I'm so happy you saw that. <laughs> what Uncle Aaron is the Prowler? Horrified, Miles rushes out, but the Prowler hears him and chases him through the city until Miles loses him. He returns to Aunt May's to tell the other Spideys about his uncle working for Kingpin, but he was followed. Because of course he was. Of course he was. <laughs> He's very bad at what he does. He's super green. Yeah. A fight breaks out at Aunt May's between the Spider People and Doc Ock, Goblin, Scorpion, Tombstone, and Prowler. And it's crazy. Yeah, and Aunt May says, get out of the house. And then they don't. And then she kicks someone out the door at some point. She's pretty badass. She's awesome. Which we said already. She's Lily the Tomlin. best. Yeah. Apparently when they wrote it, they were like, She's the only one for this role. Yeah. And then she was like, yeah, I'll do it. And they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> one of those. Prowler chases Miles, and when he catches him, Miles reveals himself, and Aaron can't hurt him. So the Kingpin shoots him in the back. Of course does. He, well, he says, finish him. And right. And then after it's two Mortal seconds, Kombat. he doesn't. So he gets shot so by Kingpin the baddie. So Kingpin shoots him in the back. Yep. Uh, well, because he's Spider-Man, he's got to lose his uncle. Come on. That's the part that bothered me. Like, a lot. <laughs> That's the one that took me out the first time. Really? I mean, they're yeah. alternate dimensions, but he's still got the same backstory. He has the same backstory, but it doesn't matter that they had to do it the same way that any other Peter Parker had done. Because Spider-Woman lost her best friend, happened to Peter Parker. Right. It just said you had to lose someone. Like, right. uh, Penny Parker, 
She lost her daddy. Right. But well, he why was, does he have to lose his but uncle But he was like also? in the spider. I don't know. Like it just seemed one of those things of do something different. He had to lose somebody. He had to lose somebody to understand that that's too close the to the rest of his family. Is that the reason why they didn't do it? I don't you know. You think? I don't know. I don't know either. But it just, I didn't care for it. That's the part that really bugged me. Well, even in the Spider-Man game, it's Jefferson that bites it. Yeah. So. Which is fine with me. It yeah. actually has an emotional, this doesn't have one to me. To me, this felt forced. And I feel like this should have held some weight to it. The part that held weight was what happened next, how Jefferson Davis, the cop daddy, pulls up and he goes, whoa, brother, brother man, you're, right. you got a bullet. Right. Ch- oh, you're dead. Yeah. Spider-Man, nah. Right. You immediately get that th- thought that, oh, he's going to blame Spider-Man for this, but he won't. No. <laughs> no, he won't. I want to make a note. I like this movie a lot. Right. Right. <laughs> I feel Same. like I'm hating on it. Just... It's one of those movies that's almost damn near perfect that you have to find the holes in it in order to appreciate it a little more. Yeah, I suppose. Or you could just like things. You could, but (laughs) we're talking about cinema here, not one of those silly theme park movies. We'll get there. Biting my tongue so hard. (laughs) Miles returns to his dorm where the other spider folks tell him, you ain't ready. And they're going with the collider without him. They tie him up, cover his mouth with web and leave. His father comes to the door and is like, hey, I got to tell you about your uncle. I haven't heard from you in a few days. I understand if you don't want to talk to me, whatever. Because for some reason, their relationship is strained since yesterday. Yep, since he he <laughs> had all that fun with him. I don't know. Eh. But Miles can't respond on account of the web in his mouth. But after his father leaves, he finds the strength to sun, summon his... Is it... What do they call that when he does the electricity? Is it the venom bite? That's what he... That's what uh, shitty Peter Parker called it. Okay. The venom bite. I think that's what or it's something generally to that. referred yeah. to. Um, and he breaks free of the webbing. And then, of course, he's got to go join his buds. All superheroes do. Yeah, he takes the time to go get his suit, paint it, paint, graffiti it up. You got to change the color of your suit before you catch up to your friends and help them. What did you think of the suit? It's so cool. It's very Miles, and I and like that a lot. It's so on brand for yeah. yeah it's, Made it his own. That I appreciate a lot. Right. He he did what uh what Uncle Aaron would have wanted him to do. Sure. <laughs> sure. Also, before he goes to help his friends, he tests out his powers again on the same building. But this time, he nails it. Yeah, you got to take the time to go back and have all those all right, moments gotta, that are supposed to have weight behind them. Got to jump off when this your friends again. need to get saved. They don't need saving yet because uh, they're sneaking through Kingpin's gala, where conveniently all of the waiters have Spider-Man masks on, so they can just walk through. I like. Was it Nick Cage who said it? Or was it Jake Johnson said it? Was like it can't be that easy, right? <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I like man. how self-aware that was. Can't be that easy, can it? Peter Parker also has a, a like a moment with Mary Jane where he's like apologizing, but she thinks it's all about bread because it's you know he makes it about bread when he realizes how nuts he sounds too, which is a good touch. It is a great touch. Anyway, they get to the collider and they're immediately met by Kingpin's henchmen and all of the other baddies. Yep. But luckily, Miles shows up just in time to save the day, making uh, Doc Ock. Punch yourself in the face while he's invisible. I like that a lot. It's pretty good. It's nice. In the ensuing fight, the spider robot is damaged beyond repair, but the spider team is victorious. Right. So they had sort of a casualty. Sort of. The robot died. The, the spider robot. The died. robot. The, the spider inside fine. was still good. So just build a new robot. So exactly. Go back to your future. Build a new robot. Everything's hunky dory. Right. The alternate dimension spider people leave one by one until it's just Miles and Peter. And That's then, all, folks. And then the kingpin shows up to fight. That's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Oh, is he allowed to say that? Legally? Legally? <laughs> it's probably my favorite line of the entire movie. Miles assures Peter that he's got this. He steals the goober from him and sends him back to his own dimension. 
And then it's a one-on-one fight between Kingpin and Miles. Uh, you'd think that he would get smashed. And then he does get smashed. Yeah. But he survives said smash, which I don't understand. <laughs> Sometimes teenage boys are stronger than uh, superheroes who have been doing this for, for 10 years. Time. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're onto something here. Also, the power of love, because his dad was there, conveniently showing. No, up. <laughs> I'm, I'll bring it back to Fifth Element. You can't have the you can't have love destroying this whole thing. It doesn't no, work no, no. that way. It's, uh... Daddy watched the whole thing because there's because there's, there's a really billion characters do. in this movie. Yeah, but our main plot here, there's like four. Yeah, yeah. Oh, basically, after he beats Kingpin and destroys the Collider. He calls his dad to let him know he's okay. And then his Spider-Man goes and talks to his dad again. Gives him a big old hug. Yeah. Big Spidey hug. Big Spidey hug. Oh, sir. Uh, yeah, I love you. And then he shows him where Kingpin is tied up. Peter B. Parker What goes, do you mean he shows him? Kingpin's hanging in, webbed up between two giant buildings. You can't miss him. Yeah, you can't. But he also goes, <laughs> yeah, right over there. You sound like, he's, he's behind the dumpster. Oh, God. I hit well, him behind the dumpster. He points over to the buildings where he <laughs> webbed him up. <laughs> Peter B. Parker goes on to patch things up with MJ, and Miles feels at peace with his new in his new role as this dimension Spider-Man. Fiend! That's it. And then there's a post-credit scene. Yeah, sure is. It's one of the best. It's very good. You get uh Miguel O'Hara, voiced by Oscar Isaac. Spider-Man 2099. Yeah. So we're way in the future. Spider-Man 99 learns about the other spider people from his assistant Lila, and he travels to Earth 67 where he ends up in a weird pointing argument with Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't point at me. I point at you. I, you point at first. You don't point. Also in this scene, it's wonderful. we get Triple J, J. Jonah Jameson, oh, yeah. voiced by Stan Lee. It's a good call. Finally. It's nice. He's always wanted to do it. Yeah. And he got to. He got to. It's great. It's his, uh, his final moment of this movie. It's the final moment of this movie. Yeah, yeah. This movie is dedicated to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. And Steve Ditko. It was originally only dedicated to Steve Ditko because we lost Steve Ditko earlier in the year. Right. That same year, weirdly. Which is crazy. And then now we, uh, you know, and then doubled up. It was both of them, yeah. Let's, let's fix that in post. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> That's Spider-Man. That's Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse. It's extremely good. Yeah. There's it's, actually, they yeah. put a quote from Stan up on the on the end credits. That person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. Wonderful. Nice touch. It is a nice touch. It's such a feel-good movie. Yeah. I'll give you that one. I mean, I left it going like, man, that was a treat. Yeah. It yeah. really was. And there are so many little winks and and hints at bigger things and just, it's just so much fun. Yeah. I it's think this is one of the fan service. best looking movies ever made in general. It's amazing. Like, the I, I cannot get over the colors of this movie. The colors. And how everything is thrown at you, but it's not overly doing it to make you feel uncomfortable. Right. There's enough to take in. And the way that they did it is so unique because they didn't do it 24 frames per second. They did right. it in twos. So right. it's 12 frames per second. So it almost looks like it's not clean it's, uh, the it's whole way through. It's to get rid of the blur effect. Choppier. And yeah. I guess um, the blur effect is completely separate. Um, they were doing it to make Miles look less polished. Because there are parts where they do do it on the ones for okay. for like Peter Parker and other seasoned Spider People, but Miles for most of the movies on twos. Um, but they were also doing scrubbing, which is a thing where if you freeze a frame, you'll see like three hands or or multiple. That blew my is, mind. You see it a lot in the in the close ups in the foreground and stuff like that yeah. when you're like doing an over sh- the shoulder on a character, 
and it, it will take you out of it if you're kind of not ready for it. Right. First few times you're like, this is odd. Then you realize it's a stylistic choice. Right. And it fits so perfectly. It doesn't take long to get used to the visual language of this movie. Well, it's because it's a motion comic book. Right. Right. That's the it way that pulls it's done. You where right you have in. your different little like pow and bang. And bagel. And the inner th- the bagel's a good one. That was a <laughs> nice mistake that was added in too. Yeah. But you have the inner monologue that you see written up there too as you hear it like being said by the character. It's just a really nice touches yeah. all around in this movie. Yeah, it's really well done. I guess um the visual effects supervisor, Danny Demian, had a saying, if it ain't broke, break it. All right. There were basically yeah. three rules for the aesthetic guidelines. It was give the movie a printed comic book look, keep the hand of the artist visible, and favor art over realism. So I just heard Scorsese throw up when you said art, art, art for this movie. Because this is a superhero movie. It's a Marvel it movie. It is. And uh, he don't like that. But he's also said that he hasn't seen all of them. He doesn't watch them. So, so what's he talking about? So what? what is he talking about? His first quote is... Yeah, this is news also. This is... This is big. Big. Uh, the past it, few weeks. Part of it might just be, you know, the internet blowing things out of proportion. Because it usually is. Because that's what the internet does. But Scorsese said, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. I've watched Brian cry multiple times at these movies. If that's not an emotional thing, I don't know what is. Right? I'm not ashamed to admit it either. What is he talking about? How high up on your fucking horse are you (laughs) that you have to say that? And then people are calling him out on it, and he doubles down. Yo, that's just balls for you. <laughs> He's like, the value of a film that's like a theme park film, for example, the Marvel-type pictures where the theaters become amusement parks, that's a different experience. As I was saying earlier, it's not cinema. It's something else. Whether you go for that or not, it's something else, and it shouldn't be invaded by it. Invaded by it? Invaded by it. And so that's a big issue, and we need the theater owners to step up for that and allow theaters to show films that are narrative films. The theaters are making bank off of these things. These movies are keeping the theaters alive because of the different cuts that they get out of it. Whereas you have Martin Scorsese, who has just gone to Netflix and wouldn't allow his movies to be shown in theaters. Right. That is unacceptable. Right. I think there's I think there's two reasons behind that. That is this. so hypocritical to say, though. I think there's two reasons behind this. Yeah. I think the first one is Irishman didn't get picked up by a major studio. He had to go to Netflix for it. It's, Correct. It got, I think, a four-week release in theaters. Right. The second reason is... He backed out of Joker. Oof. He backed out of Joker, and Joker blew up, and now he's uh, got to have something to say about comic book movies. Yeah, and Joker happens to be extremely artistic, the way that everything extremely. is done about it. Extremely. So That's my theory. Butthurt? But then again, it's Martin fucking Scorsese. Is he butthurt? Could he be? I'm not sure. Maybe. But uh, part I mean, of this also A lot of feels... major studios don't want to touch his stuff anymore. Right. That's, I mean, well, Wolf I mean, of Wall Street is a $100 million independent movie. Yeah. But, I mean, how many different ways can you see De Niro or DiCaprio, you know, be a bad guy? <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but he has the nerve to say all Marvel movies are the same. Look, I didn't see Shutter Island. I didn't see Hugo. I know I didn't like him, though. Hugo's terrific. That's what I've heard. Shutter but Island is pretty good. I don't like him. I haven't seen him, but I don't like him. There you go. Same. You heard it here, same guys. thing. The X-Men are based on the civil rights movement. How could you not have more human... I just... Some of the things X-Men's he says. a bad argument. Oh, the movies are terrible. <laughs> it's a yes. bad argument. So, but still, to say it's not human emotion or psychological or whatever, 
but I have quotes from other people too. Oh boy! In response, who, who to else decided to come down? And I'm I'm a cinema boy. You know that. I know you're a cinema boy. And this blew my mind. Most of the things I've read have been going up against Scorsese, saying, "Hey man, you can't lump everything together like that." True. John Favreau said it, but then Favreau also said, "This these guys are my heroes. They've ex- they've earned the right to express their opinion." Which sure. Everyone has They're an opinion. Legends. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion. James Gunn was like, I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without seeing it. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films the same way. Well, didn't Kevin Smith say that The Last Temptation of Christ was like the first big superhero movie? <laughs> <laughs> Did he say that? That's amazing. I'm pretty sure that was it. X-Men writer Jonathan Hickman said, and this is one of my favorites, I don't eat them. I tried, you know, but that's not actual dining. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well-made as they are, with chicken doing it the best it can under the circumstances, are spicy hot wings. That isn't fine dining. It's just burning your fucking mouth because you love to see the world's mouths burn. (laughs) And I won't have it. I won't have any fucking part of it. I like it. That's a great response. Yeah. And then, just last week, we had uh, Coppola come out. Yeah, my fellow alumni. And he- Or alumnus. He's alumnus. That's how the Latin works. Yeah. I only took four years of it. You'd think I'd get a little I bit. I only took three, so. He said, when Martin Scorsese says that the Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right, because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Martin was kind when he said it's not cinema. He didn't say it's despicable, which I just say it is. Francis Ford Coppola, who people really dislike yeah. in Hollywood, I mean- Coming up in the 1970s, him and George Lucas, when they created their own kind of quote-unquote studio with an American zoetrope, Mm -hmm. and they went their own way because they didn't want to have to deal with the studio system anymore. Right. Yada, 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 as that goes. He hasn't done anything of note in the past 20 years, 30 years, something like that. Generous. I met Francis Ford Coppola 2006, 2007, somewhere in there, where he did a screening of a film he did with Tim Roth Mm -hmm. called Youth Without Youth. And he went on this entire diatribe before it saying, and it's actually stuck with me because it is a belief of mine too, every movie has its place. Every movie has its place. And the ones he pointed out specifically were the movies like, this was in the big time of like date movie and superhero movie. Oh, really? all those movies. Like scary movie? And they were making bank because they were stupid enough, but there was an audience for it still. Right. But he said every movie has its place. And that's what I always believe is that you like something because you like it. And that's right. totally fine. Have a reason for liking it. If you don't like something, have a reason for not liking it. Exactly. Don't just say like, I didn't, I don't like it's it. Dumb. It's not like when you, like whenever I drink a whiskey or a bourbon or something like that, I'm not going to be able to pick out all the flavors of it. I just know if I like it or not. Right. And I'll say like, oh, I like that because it tastes smooth and it yeah. went down easy and that's kind of what I like about but it. But you're not going to say it's not whiskey. Exactly. But with Coppola, I even said like, when I met him, I said, thank you. Like, I, I I went to Hofstra as well. Thank you for everything you've done for film, and you're a hero, yada, yada. Yeah. I would take that back in a second after hearing him say this shit. Wow. Because that is hypocritical. It's totally He used to be kind of like that bullheaded, loudmouth person. Right. And he, he worked really well with Lucas because Lucas wasn't back in the day. Right. That's just that's just not right yeah. of them to say that I stuff. think it's a case of um, old man yells at cloud. Brian is showing me <laughs> Grandpa Simpson. Yelling at a cloud. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's what's happening here. It's just it's a seventy six year old and an eighty year old who are out of touch. It, uh, probably Hugo is probably the closest thing that Scorsese's gotten to a Marvel film, if you will. Okay, where it's not just your drama. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything outside. Well, it of It was drama. also his first foray into three D, right, and and digital. Right, right, and it, I mean it's a great movie. I really like that movie a lot. Yeah, but Coppola hasn't gotten close to anything like that. No. No, I mean, he hasn't done anything in the last, so do you think like it, you said, yeah. 20, 30 years. Something like that. It's Generously. Just, I mean, film, I'm not going to say it passed these guys up, because obviously Scorsese's still rolling, Coppola is still wishing he was still rolling. Right. Apparently, he has a movie coming out next year. Oh, great. I can't wait. That's supposed to be like the 30-year culmination of something he's been working on. So it's kind of like Dewey Cox. Gotta, oh. Got to think of my whole life before I make that movie. It's a beautiful ride. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that ended. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't care for these directors saying that. Yeah. Sam As Jackson, a film boy, I don't care for it. Sam Jackson said, uh, it's like saying Bugs Bunny ain't funny. Films are films. Everybody doesn't like his stuff either. Everybody's got an opinion, so it's okay. And that's fine. Folks, you like what you like, and that's okay. There is a place for every movie. There was something that I thought was interesting though. Yeah. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Marvel's Kareem Abdul Jabbar. <laughs> Let's yes. not forget that. Said Scorsese wasn't denigrating Marvel films so much as making a distinction between high art and accurate but cringeworthy term that we might see in a museum or featured on NPR and regular everyday art that we might see on our t-shirts and tattoos. Scorsese is stating the obvious. Rembrandt's The Storm in the Sea of Galilee is not the same level as Coolidge's dogs playing poker, no matter how much those dogs make us smile. Nor will Peter Benchley's novel Jaws ever match the magnificence of Herman Melville's Moby Dick despite selling millions more copies. Captain America will never be James Baldwin. All right. And I'm inclined to agree with everything he said there. Sure. And it, But it doesn't mean there's not a place for it, you know? But at the same time, they're making so many of these movies, and it is muscling out other genres from theaters. So there is something to be said about it. I agree with you there. I think the real issue is with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and the issue with these folks kind of doubling down on their Marvel, I'm not going to say hatred. Yeah. I'm not going to say jealousy. It's somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in between hatred and jealousy. Co-directed this movie, Pete Ramsey, after Coppola made his statements about those types of films. Yeah. Sa- his direct quote said, actually, Francis has seen this movie and was very complimentary and really appreciated the innovation and animated performances. Coppola really liked this movie. What's not to like? This movie looks like nothing you've ever seen before. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... And it just so happens to be Spider-Man, which is pretty damn cool. Right. Damon Lindelof, most people know from Lost or the new Watchmen show. Sure, which apparently is great. Says. The the first episode, at least. There's a space in Marvel movies that they are beginning to explore and are beginning to be provocative and interesting. Logan or Black Panther are very close, in my opinion, to cinema. And to put all Marvel movies in the same box doesn't seem fair. That's coming from the guy who asked more questions than answered on his television shows. (laughs) Right. But then he also says, uh, but you're also talking to a guy who eats a sizzler. You know what? Come down to earth, man. I love it. Good for you. Yeah. Good uh, for you. I have one final thought on this whole thing, and I should I should put the whole thing to bed. Let's put it to bed. Brody Bruce, played by Jason Lee in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Haven't seen it yet. Me neither. All right. But this is this was filmed before this whole conversation started. Sure. He says in the movie, hey man, those Marvel movies are a triumph in cinema. I watch those Marvel movies more than I watch Pornhub, and I come twice as hard doing it. <laughs> that is perfect. Bam. I love it. (laughs) Today's show is brought to you by Audible. 
Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash superstuff and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. Dave, do you have any suggestions? I do. Oh. I've been using Audible for a while, and one of my favorite audiobooks that I've gotten off of that was called Console Wars, Sega okay. Nintendo and the Battle That Defined a Generation by Blake J. Harris. Oh. I loved this audiobook. It's all about the different marketing strategies that Sega had versus Nintendo, all their different ideas. Sure. And it's a generation where we grew up and all the games that we used to play and all the mistakes that both companies kind of made. Hmm. It's fascinating. Sounds like it. I was a Sega kid. I was a Nintendo kid. Yeah. There you go. Sounds like it's worth a listen. But you can select any book of your choice for free. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com superstuff. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash superstuff for your free audiobook. As you can imagine, this is a damn near perfect movie. Yes. What do you think this thing got? Rotten Tomatoes 1 to 100. Oh, 92? 97. Wow. Yeah, this is way the fuck up there. Uh, audience score? They agree. Similar? 93. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. I haven't asked this in a while. Where do you think this falls on our top 72 superhero movies on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I feel like we've talked about this one before, and it ranks very high. It's extremely high. I want to say it's like third. It is three. Yeah. It's sandwiched in there between uh, Endgame at number two and Wonder Woman at number four. Solid company. I love the respect for Wonder Woman in that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Also, art. Art. That movie is cinema. That movie is cinema. And I didn't pull any critical reviews for this one because, obviously, our good friend Roger Ebert did not see this movie. He's kind of the third Cape podcaster. <laughs> I guess you could say you that. Will. He's yeah. been with us every single episode. That's true. In spirit and in in Ouija boards. Cynicism, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but tonight for the 50th, I want to celebrate Roger Ebert. Because as much as we we make fun of him for no longer living. It's... <laughs> for the thing that everybody does, eventually. Yeah, uh, he is a legitimate hero of mine, to tell you the truth. He's one of the critics sure. that I used to read all the time. To I mean, get an opinion because I kind of fell in line with him, I guess. There's a reason everybody knows his name. Well, he was the one who kind of transcended critics, if you will. Right. Like back in the day, you had Pauline Kale, who was very big writing wise. You also had like Vincent Canby, but then you had Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Ebert. And, and then eventually Ebert and Robert. Exactly. Yeah. But he was always the one who was the step above, where he had the personality behind it to back everything that he was saying. And he's an extraordinary writer. Not that he has a good opinion on stuff, because he does. But he's an extraordinary <laughs> writer. I don't. I don't know if you ever read it. His memoir, Life Itself, is fucking gorgeous. Really? Everything about it is a pitch perfect to me. I love Roger Ebert. That's why I kind of poke fun. Legitimate sure, love for of Roger. Course. Ebert. We wouldn't do that if if we didn't respect him. You're right. Like Mark Stephen Johnson, right? <laughs> Ooh, we don't know. Oh, you poked a hole Anything through that armor about. real quick. <laughs> so to celebrate Roger Ebert, who. Did not see this movie due to he's in his own Spider-Verse with, <laughs> with God and the Lord and you, you name it, in heaven. <laughs> I want to read some of Roger Ebert's best takedowns of movies. Oh, I like that a lot. Let's do that. Here's some bangers that Roger Ebert has done throughout his career. I can't wait. The first one I got is from Joe Dirt. <laughs> Joe Dirte. Yeah, of course. We professional movie critics count it a banner week when only one movie involves eating, falling into, or being covered by excrement, or a cameo appearance by Carson Daly. 
<laughs> we are not prudes. We are prepared to laugh. But what these movies, including Joe Dirt, often do not understand is that the act of being buried in crap is not in and of itself funny. It's kind of funny. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Joe Dirt is one of two movies that I went in not knowing a thing about it. Okay. It was this and Dodgeball. Sure. I had like tears in my eyes from laughing at both of these movies because oh, it just hit course. the right amount of stupid for me. Yeah. I, man, both classics to me. Joe Dirt really was one of the funniest movies I ever saw in theaters at the time. And I know I was younger than obviously and hadn't seen good things. Right. But man, right. uh the first time <laughs> I saw Joe Dirt was uh was at my cousin was at Mitchell of Nerdy Thursday's house. Sure. Uh it was still out in he theaters. He was skating around his basement as he does. <laughs> yeah. It was still out in theaters, but he picked up a bootleg copy of the DVD that somebody had filmed in the theater, which you know, big no-no. Don't do that. Don't do that. And don't buy it, Mitchell. Um <laughs> and we laughed our asses off watching this movie the first time. That's just a fun little memory. There you go. I'm glad Roger Ebert took you down memory lane. He did. From the movie North. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. (laughs) Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience-insulting moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. Wow. That is vicious. Oh, boy. (laughs) I didn't even know that movie. North is a 1994 movie starring Elijah Wood as a little boy called North. Literally on IMDb, all it says is, sick of neglect he receives from his mom and dad, a young boy leaves home and travels the world in search of new parents. Well, that sounds pretty awful, actually. I would say that you could hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Next movie is Baby Geniuses. Of course. This is an old idea, beautifully expressed by Wordsworth, who said... Heaven lies about us in our infancy. If I could quote the whole poem instead of completing this review, believe me, we'd all be happier. (laughs) (laughs) That was a terrible movie. It's not great. (laughs) Spice World. What could he possibly say about Spice World? The Spice Girls are easier to tell apart than the Mutant Ninja Turtles. But that (laughs) is small consolation. What can you say about five women whose principal distinguishing characteristic is that they have different names? (laughs) They occupy Spice World as if they were watching it. They're so detached they can't even successfully limp sync their own songs. (laughs) Oh, that's so mean, but it's so accurate. (laughs) This is my personal favorite one. From a movie that I unabashedly like. Okay. Freddy Got Fingered. There it is. This movie doesn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) This movie isn't the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't below the bottom of the barrel. This movie doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence with barrels. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) What did barrels do to him? I'm not sure. (laughs) Why Uh, does he hold barrels in such esteem? I must have gotten trapped in a barrel when he was a child. <laughs> I don't know. He's Barrel Boy. That's how Batman was. Barrels are better than if this Batman movie. didn't fall into a well with bats and said he fell into a barrel. Sure, totally different. Or a story. cave full Origin of thing. barrels, or just a cave full of angry barrels. shovelers. He's the shoveler now. Uh, yep. Whatever you fall into the cave of, that's what your your superhero that's it. Is. Whatever's down there. Speaking of superheroes, uh oh. I know it's early. I know we have not talked about this movie, but Catwoman. <laughs> this is our bit from like our first what five episodes yep i forgot all about that yeah that we 
joked about it and then said, well, let's just never bring that movie up ever we'll again. We'll watch it next week. We'll watch it next <laughs> And then we never, yeah. Didn't even bother. It's, it's chilling on UB3. Ebert says, she becomes Catwoman. But what is a Catwoman? <laughs> she can leap like a cat, strut around on top of her furniture, survive great falls and hiss. Barry looks great doing these things and spends a lot of time on all fours, inspiring our almost unseemly gratitude for her cleavage. Jesus. She gobbles down tuna and sushi. Her eyes have vertical (laughs) pupils instead of round ones. She sleeps on a shelf. This movie doesn't get into the litter box situation. (laughs) They're getting harder to read. (laughs) Roger. This is a fun one. This is typical Ebert thinking when he doesn't want to actually talk about the movie. Okay. It makes me happy when this. This is Armageddon. Oh. Oh. Okay. Say you do succeed in blowing up an asteroid the size of Texas. <laughs> what if a piece the size of Dallas is left? <laughs> Wouldn't that be enough to destroy life on Earth? <laughs> what about a piece the size of Austin? Let's face it. Even oh. an object the size of a big Walmart outside Abilene would pretty much clean us out. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Don't they explain in the movie, though, that the debris would clear if they hit it at the right spot? You're really using that movie as science? All I'm basis saying, for anything? All I'm saying if they hit it at the right spot, they were clearly late in that movie. They were late, but he's not wrong. Dr. Roger, <laughs> he's got you there. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Battlefield Earth is like taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not merely <laughs> bad. It's unpleasant in a hostile way. Oh, my God. He gets his swings in on M. Night Shyamalan, too. Oh, The excellent. village. Oh, finally. To call it an anti-climax would be an insult not only to climaxes, but to prefixes. <laughs> <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with that one. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. He's oh. taking shots oh. at bay left and right here. This if is... you want to save yourself the ticket price, go into the kitchen, cue up a male choir singing the music of hell, and get a kid to start banging pots and pans together. Then close your eyes and use your imagination. <laughs> he probably would have appreciated that I messed that one up so bad. Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles in 2001. <laughs> I was like, what could he it's, it's a quick one. He but... just says, I've seen audits that were more thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's something to be said about short, sweet Roger Ebert. That's the best. The last one I have for you is appropriate. Okay. It's kind of a plug. Mr. Ebert himself from Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. (laughs) He says, as faithful readers will know, I have a few cult followers who enjoy my reviews of bad movies. These have been collected in the books. I hated, 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 hated this movie. Oh, we read that one. Your movie sucks (laughs) and a horrible experience of unendurable length. This movie is so bad. It couldn't even inspire a review worthy of one of those books. I have my standards. (laughs) Roger Ebert is the best. Wow. Nobody can write a takedown as well. No. That, that's... We miss him. He's the best. <sighs> it makes you wish that he could have seen what came after he had passed, because that's when Marvel really took off. I and wonder where... Movie really took off. He so. would stand on the Scorsese. I'm very curious, but I have a feeling that he would have... Mm, I, I feel like he would have come down to earth. Yeah. I, I don't I know like, why like I could just be saying like, that as a fanboy, but I don't care. I think like Black Panther and, and Wonder Woman and things like that would have convinced him that there's enough. I like to think that. Yeah, but we don't know. We have no idea. What we do know is that on Amazon.com, Ooh. this movie is beloved. Of course. That can't be stated any 
further, I guess. It's, What's the opposite of a review bomb? Uh, I'm not sure, but <laughs> it probably falls that into the 2,664 customer ratings that this movie has, okay. and it has a 4.8 out of 5. Wow. 89% are five star. That's unheard of. What's more unheard of is only 3% are one star. That's so low. And I ran through them. Yeah. And there's no good ones. Really? Yeah, so we're going to do things a little differently here. Okay. And instead of doing one-star reviews for the movie that we're talking about, to celebrate our 50th episode, I've reached out to a number of our friends to give us one-star reviews on our show. Oh, no way. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to hear these. Sean from the Digital Cartridge Podcast says, (laughs) I don't trust it. I came for an honest review and ended with a guy who can't figure out what the color of magenta really is, while the other guy, is he really a guy? Just because you can edit and upload some stupid MP3 to the internet, it doesn't mean you have a podcast. And what's the hard-on for superheroes? Were y'all bullied as kids? Nut up or shut up. Fuck these guys and give them a listen. (laughs) If you're not yelling with them, then fuck you. All right. I love Sean. That's fun. That's, uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun, isn't it? Not up or shut up. Not up or shut up. Some zombie land shit right there. It's the best. <laughs> the next one. It's an audio one. Oh. Hey, guys. This is Sean from Nerdy Thursday. Let's and go, I'm boys. here to give a one-star review of the Caped Podcasters. So without further ado, one star by Sean N.T. <laughs> Not the podcast I needed, nor is it the podcast I deserve. I can't stand superheroes. I can't stand superhero movies. I only downloaded this due to the fact that I know, at least according to The Incredibles, that wearing a cape will likely get you sucked into an airplane's jet engine. (laughs) It only took 49 episodes before I found out that the caped podcasters don't actually wear capes. (laughs) False advertising if you'd ask me. While I actually enjoyed some gems like the Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers episodes, I've also suffered through Superman the movie. Superman 2, Superman Returns, Man of Steel, and Batman vs. Superman. (laughs) Superman is a bitch. Would rather watch Venom again. Can I request a refund for my time? Wow. I just want to put this out there. He actually has a a tattoo of Superman on his chest. He got the full full S. Oh, yeah. For hope? For hope. Yeah, everyone knows that about Sean from Nerdy Thursday. He loves Superman. He loves Superman. What an act that he puts on, though. Oh, right? I love it. It's a fun bit. It's a very fun bit. (laughs) I'm so happy he keeps it up. That's just so good. Kyle and Ryan from the Experience Grind podcast. Oh, boy. How to describe and rate the Cape podcasters? Have you seen Dark Phoenix? It's like the... (laughs) (laughs) It's like that, except it's Dark Phoenix... But it's a cartoon now and drawn by Rob Liefeld. (laughs) (laughs) Can't draw feet. Can't do it. Of course. (laughs) Do you remember how dumbfounded Batman was when he found out Superman's mom had the same name as his? (laughs) That's how dumbfounded I was that this show existed. It's the Jared Leto Joker of podcasts. (laughs) One star review. We'll change if they say nice things about us. We love you. But that's as far as we're getting. You're not changing a goddamn thing because that's... (laughs) Perfect, Perfect. guys. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. This reminded me of Jane and Bob Strike Back. You guys are fucking clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the most fun I've ever had. It's about to get not fun. Uh-oh. 
The ginger skull himself, uh-huh, Dave fuck. Novak. It had to happen. <sighs> Buckle in. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. He wrote those all with periods in between. Had to read it like Naturally. How does one even begin to review this so-called quote-unquote podcast? Everything about it is a mess. An absolute, tragic, terrible mess. For starters, <laughs> the first time I tried to download this riffraff, I received an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience instead. <laughs> Classic Amazon form. <laughs> I didn't even realize they had given me the wrong podcast until I was about halfway through the episode. Honestly, I had thought they were talking about the Green Lantern the entire time, and it turns out it was just Joe Rogan going on and on and on about the magic of CBD oil. <laughs> After realizing the mix-up, I was able to go back and download the actual Cape Podcasters. That was a mistake. <laughs> Honestly, things only got worse from there. First off, I don't even know if you can ethically call this a podcast. Radio Lab is a podcast. Serial is a podcast. To Live and Die in L.A. is a podcast. This, and pardon the language, is more akin to verbal diarrhea <laughs> that has somehow been splattered across a vaulted ceiling. <laughs> it's ugly. It stinks. You have absolutely no clue how it could have physically gotten there. And you can only pray to a kind of benevolent God that it doesn't somehow find its way into your ears. The podcast is also demonstrative and false advertising. Sure, they call themselves the Cape Podcasters, but they never talk about wearing capes. I'd venture to guess that they don't even own capes. <laughs> Why wouldn't they just call themselves the sloppily dressed white guy fashion podcasters instead? Worse still, they're what others would call fake nerds. <laughs> How do I know this? Well, <laughs> they had a whole episode of Shazam, but they somehow managed to get all the actors and characters wrong. They never once talked about the acting prowess of Sinbad and what the <laughs> heck is a Billy Bad son. Anyway, in conclusion, don't waste your time. Uh-huh. Do something more productive, such as nothing at all. The podcast is free, but I still want a monetary refund if you're listening to it. It just goes to show you. The only fun thing to do in Connecticut is get the fuck out of Connecticut. <laughs> oh my God. He has a Roger Ebert way of words. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. That was, wow. That was a trip. I loved every second of it. I think we should put Suburban Commando on our calendar. Oh, that's probably a good idea. Coming soon-ish. Coming soon-ish. In like February. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll get soon-ish. to it. Soon-ish. We'll get to it. The next one-star review is from Mitchell from Nerdy Thursday. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So I read somewhere, or I saw something, or I might have heard it. That this is the podcast that nobody needed or deserved. And the truth is, I'm not sure this is a podcast anybody wanted. It's a couple guys who seem to have fun talking to each other about superheroes, which I don't even know why anybody would want to talk about that. That's just, ugh, how niche. (laughs) But this thing's got one good thing going for it. I... Love your pedo record. I could just have a Hall of Fame podcast of pedos. I think that would be pretty cool. What? But happy 50th. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I'm happy he took a break from rollerblading around the basement for us. Yeah, well, you know. It was very nice of him. You got to take a minute every once in a while. Every once in a while. Next up. Number one sidekick superfan, Steven. Oh, no. <laughs> the Nightcrawler himself. <laughs> Big blue. <laughs> Little blue. <laughs> <laughs> Look, fuck the podcast rating. Whatever. 
Two nerds in their mother's basement talking about superheroes? That's not what's important right now. What's important is they have me tied up down here, too. I'm not the number one sidekick superfan, Elder Steven. My name is Steven E. Smart. The E is for my middle name, Elizabeth, named <laughs> after my twice-removed uncle? What? <laughs> and I've been locked down here in a gimp suit and a cape for over 52 weeks. The guys only let me out of... <laughs> The guys only let me out of the cage to pee, poop, and eat after I play this act and gas up their podcast. Something about they need the encouragement on social platforms so they can monetize and buy a real doll. Until then, <laughs> I'm all they got. Dave is the mastermind behind this whole sidekick trafficking operation. He has his way with me about two to three times a day. Only. <laughs> he rubs peanut butter on his belly and makes me lick it up and call him Stan Lee while he angrily <laughs> runs about continuity errors. When he's finished, he lets Brian lick up the after juices. <laughs> then he... <laughs> Then it's Brian's turn. Oh, no. He's almost even worse. He makes me call him Dave and tells me <laughs> to tell him that he's actually running the show and he gets to make all the super stuff score decisions. All while Dave smelling all while smelling Dave's podcasting seat and looking at me. Just looking at me. Sometimes I pray I go blind so I wouldn't have to see him. <laughs> looking, smirking, ogling. Then he whispers. Neat and goes back upstairs, <laughs> leaving me in my tight leathery gimp suit, my cape blowing sadly in the breeze of the door slamming among the rotten bodies of the other captive guests of the show. The ginger skull sodomized by a microphone arm until he would admit that Green Lantern's a good movie. He never gave in. The blind podcaster, Nick, snicked in the eye with a plastic replica batarang. They just wouldn't stop. Please, somebody read this and come save me and no masked vigilante bullshit. Please, do what a normal person would do and call the goddamn cops and have these <laughs> sadistic, abhorrent man's, <laughs> man's children shot without so much as a peep of a soliloquy. I can't take much more. Oh, and the podcast is just fine, I suppose. Not terrible, but not memorable either. <laughs> Maybe have a fun soundboard and play games? <laughs> That should be our new motto, is not terrible, but not memorable. Okay. That's that's what you took from that? <laughs> that's that's all I was there. Oh. For the most part, right? Yeah. That's all I heard. That's all I got. We're never taking the ball out of his mouth again. No. Never, ever, ever again. How dare he? Two to three times. Fuck me. That's going to that's gonna double. Minimum. <laughs> You're a good boy, Steven. You're a good boy. Get back to your cage. The last one I have is from Micah from the Digital Cartridge Podcast. He says, I'd give this show the same amount of stars as Roger Ebert has Jaws, which is zero, <laughs> but it's not an option. The entire show is the exact definition of hell itself. Listening to these two cum dumpsters spew their superhero knowledge about anything popular is beyond repulsive. And to top it all off, one of them likes Green Lantern. <laughs> you'd, better, you'd be better served by taking your hour and a half each Monday to shave your balls and then dip them in rubbing alcohol. Oh. Listen to Digital Cartridge Podcast instead. At least one of their hosts is funny. But be forewarned, the other is a putz. Sean is funny. I agree. Sean's, a, <laughs> Sean's hysterical. <laughs> oh, God. That was so good. Oh, Micah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Thank oh, you, my everyone, God. for listening to this garbage that we call a show. Yeah. This ear diarrhea that's on vaulted ceilings. I don't know where you got that from. That is painting a, a, a picture. <laughs> what a picture that paints. Let's give Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse the super stuff score. <laughs> I mean, what else can we possibly do know. at this point? 
Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Setting. I have an issue with the setting, but at the same time, I don't have an issue with the setting. Really? It's supposed to be New York. They say the word Brooklyn. Yes. They don't show anything New York. They show so much New York. Are you kidding? They show Times Square. They show, think about it. They show Times Square you know, here's a couple times. My issue with it is that this is not our New York in the sense that this is a different dimension. It's an alternate dimension. And that's why it has the PDNY instead of the NYPD. Right. And you also have the, the uh, different buildings stuff. You do. We also have like- oh, uh, The billboards. From Dusk Till Sean. Which apparently was like an actual sequel that Sean- No. Simon so, Pegg? Yeah. An actual sequel that, yeah, yeah, he was like joking that he was going to write it. He never did, but like he was like, oh, we should do the same movie again, but with vampires. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. I'd see it in a second. And then- um, You also had the- Red Man job. Group. You did have Red Man Group. You had Clone College. Yes. From Clone High the from sequel Lord and Miller. Clone High. Yeah. Brilliant. I love that show. There was a, a Seth Rogen uh, jockey comedy called Hold Your Horses. Yep. You also had the John Mulaney Broadway show with Nick Kroll. Yes. Instead of Oh Hello, it was Hello All or whatever it was. Hi, hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'm going to go one. I think it's appropriate. It's, it is New York. Because even in the shots, even the shots where there's he's running down the street or when he's jumping off the top of that building, you have this skyline. And even though there's lots of buildings that are taller than the Empire State Building, it's all there. And it's I'm okay going one because I talked myself into it weirdly. But yeah, fine. Next one is obvious. I think style and tone two. We are. On the I think same it has page. to be a two. We are on the same page. This the, style is. You, there's, I've never seen a movie like this. No, no, it simple. doesn't exist. You know what? One of the first movies I saw that this reminded me of was A Scanner Darkly. Okay. Where I had never seen a film rotoscoped like that before. Right. And that's what stuck with me from that movie. Sure. I don't remember a thing about that movie except the way it looked. Right. But this, I remember but this, so much about and the way that it looked. Everything is just fucking gorgeous in it's it, man. beautiful. This has, to be a, this has to be a two. Has to be. I completely agree with that. Hero. Hero or heroes? It's Miles' story. It's Miles' story. He does save the day. But we do end up with five or six different spider characters. Right, and they do their thing and then they go home, but they're bullies. Right. Most of them are bullies. Right. Gwen is a friend by the end, and Peter is a mentor by the end, and he has his own little arc. He sure does. But Miles, Miles. I think, is who we need to talk about here. Absolutely. He saves the day. He's green as all hell for most of this thing. And then he has just a sudden jump. He takes that leap of faith that this movie the beats into faith. us. Yeah, they do. Pretty hard. They... Go, I'm going to go 0.5 for the hero. Okay. I think it's okay. I think the, the change is too quick. It is a very quick change. It's it's basically, oh, dad's at the door. Now I have powers. I'm going right. to run, spray paint the suit, and now- I'll jump. go 0.5 because, yeah. I mean, he does spider it up. Villains. Kingpin. Kingpin. I'll kind of go Prowler. Kind of Prowler. Doc Ock. Does a lot, but she doesn't really do it for me. She's more henchy in this thing. She is more henchy, even though it's her collider. I really like how they humanize Kingpin. How he wants to bring his family back. Very nice. He actually has a motivation, which right, which is rare. Yeah, but he's still. It seems like he's easily defeated, and he's kind of picky and choosy who he smashes to death. Right. I'll go. uh, I'll go point five. I think point five is. I think he's okay. He's okay. Yeah. Female characters. You got Gwen Stacy and you got Aunt May. And you have Penny Parker. Who's and you do have Penny Parker, who doesn't do a lot. Doesn't do a lot. You also have Doc Ock. You do. She's pretty cool. It's a very cool twist. Yeah. I kind of want to go 0.75. I think that's fair. I wish that we got more Aunt May. I do too. But um, I get why we didn't. I, right. I also get why we didn't get more Gwen Stacy. 
Um, I like that they never went down that path of like a romantic interest. They didn't even hint at it. They hinted they at it, hinted but they didn't it, but... ever even attempt it. It kind of got to right. the nice platonic area. Exactly. That's a nice place to land sometimes. It's where most of them should land. Putting the friendly in friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Exactly. Story and motivation. I defer to you. You defer to me. Yes. Okay. It's one of my big issues with this movie. The story, I think, is mostly good. There are some hiccups, and it can get convoluted when you start dealing with alternate dimensions and that kind of thing. Sure. Motivation. Miles. Reluctant hero. Big time. That's uh, Briefly reluctant hero, and then suddenly. And then just all superhero. Right. I don't like the story. You don't like the story? No. The story is your classic Spider-Man story of, I got these powers. I got to learn how to use them. I got a dead uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It keeps going through there. And that's, sure. That's all fine and dandy. Sure. I think that the story is very basic. Really? When it goes through. Yeah, I think that pulling in all these other Spider-Men and Spider-Ladies and all that stuff is just another way to celebrate Spider-Man. And I know that when Bendis wrote Spider-Verse, that whole series, this has nothing to do with it. This story is massively different than the comic. Well, yeah, well, it's more based on Spider-Men. Right. Which is the the 50th anniversary. Sure, sure, sure. Parker meets Miles. Exactly. But with this, it is so basic with hints of the shattered dimensions video game and that's fine which i love (laughs) that's fine it's very a to b with a lot of detours in between there are a lot and i think that the visuals of this movie kind of elevate it brushes the 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 lack of story under the rug a little bit where you go hide it yeah i'm okay with now the start i'm gonna go 0.5 maybe even 0.25 i don't think it's very i think the story's so it's there it's totally fine. Don't get me wrong. Do you, you got to have del- a spine to, to a movie and it's the story. But do you think it finally it does deliver the message of anybody can wear the mask? No. No? No, I think that they tried setting up that message early on, but it was always going to be Miles because it had to be Miles. There wasn't ever a choice involved. It had to be Miles. Not anyone can wear the mask. You had to get bitten by a spider to wear the mask and wear it properly. Right, but instead of there being one Spider-Man in the in the universe, there's multiple dimensions and multiple Spider-Men. And, and, there are, and they and all whatever, happen to have powers. Whatever dimension you're in. So it's not that in. anyone, and it doesn't matter that, I mean, if I put on the mask right now, I'm in this dimension, doesn't mean I'm Spider-Man. I didn't I mean, get bit by anything. You still have responsibilities and powers. I don't have powers. I would have responsibilities, and that sucks. That's adulting. Well, Lord and Miller said they had a goal for the movie, and it was to inspire young people to become heroes and inspire grown-ups to help them do it, to remind us all that you don't have to be bitten by a radioactive spider to do your part. You are powerful, and we are counting on you. But this whole movie is about a kid who gets bitten by a radioactive spider. Yeah, but a lot of had it's he also... not gotten bitten by the radioactive spider, he just decided to help out these superheroes. That would kind of make that point hit home a little more. He's got powers. There's no denying that. That's true. You're right. Point five. Yeah, I'll give you the point five. That's fine. <laughs> Music. One. I think the soundtrack on this is it's excellent, phenomenal. and I think the actual score is phenomenal. Daniel, and so well done. Fucking. Pemberton. Thank you, Daniel fucking Pemberton. Who would have thought we said that one? But yeah, that's, that's out there. That's a Has new one. Be. But uh, yeah, I he guess gets the middle name. They took the whole thing, they recorded it, they put it on a record, and they actually hired uh, DMC World Scratch Champion DJ to scratch in parts into the- What a cool choice. Brilliant. And it fits the tone so well. Like that urban feel to it, yes. which is fucking great, man. Oh, so well done. Definite one, one. Absolutely. Impact on the genre. It's an Oscar winner. It's an Oscar winner. But what impact does it have? It's probably going to have a sequel. It's definitely going to have a sequel. They're already working on it. And there's probably going to be a Gwen Stacy spinoff. Right. Uh, Let me ask you this. I think this is actually going to be a negative to the impact, but hear me out. Okay. 
Disney, Marvel, and Sony just got into this big brawl over the rights of Spider-Man story, yada. Right. And a lot of fans were saying, oh, they can't do Spider-Man right without having Marvel attached to it, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. They just did Spider-Man right without having Marvel attached to it they did. in an Oscar-winning film. Absolutely. So when we talk about an impact for this movie, did that impact actually hit with fans? Because it seems like they forgot about this movie when it came to that argument. And that was the big argument. I think that argument was reserved mostly for live action because Sony I agree with showed... that. But now this is Avi Arad. This, yes, uh, this has it all is, the but major not players. Everybody knows that. I agree with you, but that just, I mean, obviously we're a bit deeper into it because right. we have to be and we have to talk about this nonsense. Yeah. But they get a bunch of one star reviews about it. Exactly. I kind of want to knock it a bit in terms of the impact because of that, because this movie didn't have Because it wasn't the same part of the conversation. It, it but it was because people, people did bring it up, though. They were it like, but rarely Sony... got brought up. If anybody anything, who was... If it got brought up at all, it rarely got brought up. A lot of people were more talking Tom Holland. Anybody who brought up the Sony side of the argument and was supporting Sony was bringing up this movie as their as their argument. I wasn't. I was bringing up the business end of it, though. <laughs> and I was supporting Sony. Well, you're one person. I know, I know. But everywhere I look, people were like, Sony has proven that they can do a Spider-Man but movie the without boys. Marvel. But the fanboys. Never brought this up. Well, the, in those terms are the, of the MCU fanboys. What do you expect You're speaking to say? for your own. They, they, of course they want to keep You Tom never Holland. brought this movie up, Brian. Exactly. Because I didn't want to detract from my argument. <laughs> Obviously, if I brought up this movie, it would have made it more balanced. I think that the impact is going to get hurt by that. Yeah, but it's an Oscar winner. It made quadruple it its money. And I think that we should go 0. 0.5. And I there's think that be we, we should kind of put of it in sequels. its place a little bit where the fans kind of leave it, it feels like. It feels like the fans are leaving this one behind a little bit. Do you think this one gets kind of ignored because it's animation? I do. That's unfortunate. I know, but because, I think it's a 0. 0.5. And then you go and you look at people who are ranking the best Spider-Man movies of all time, and this one is always close to the top of the list, if not the top of the I list. I agree, and it's number three on the Rotten Tomatoes list. Right. So why? I don't know, but I'm just going off of the. What I think we, it's at least saying. a 0.75. I'll give you a 0.75 then, but I don't feel good about it. It's a dirty 0.75. I don't think it is. I think it'd be dirty to give it a 0.5, and that's fine too. Parents, not mentioned. Oh well, Miles. I'm thinking Spider-Man proper. <laughs> You're right, Miles. He's got the two of them. They're alive. They're, They're great. Very alive. They couldn't be any more. Or lively. would this be a teamwork movie? No, this is not. I would say this is Miles' movie. Okay. That happens to have I think other you're right. people coming in eventually. That's a zero. That is a zero. The big fat zero. Yeah. Sorry, I went full blown Spider Man for real there, and because I'm just <laughs> used to that. One liners. One. It's great. Can we talk about John Mulaney, please? And how much he brings to this movie? It's a ton. The tone of this movie changed at 62 minutes when he comes. When he it. walks in, the whole movie just goes, "Oh, we're gonna have some fun now." I'm a comedy now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I guess when he showed up. He had no idea what he was working on, really. Sure. They were like, we're not going to send you a script. We just want to know where you went. And he's like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what this movie is. They brought him to you know, do his voiceover work in some cement building in LA. And he's just like, all right, I'm here. They told him what it was. And they're like, you know, you're a, you're a pig. <laughs> you're like a cartoon pig. You make terrible puns. Have fun with it. And what he did, he had fun with it. They let him ad lib. And for the first session... All he did when he threw his lines, he was cursing wildly. <laughs> Oops. Damn right. Oh, you bastards. And how the is he going to do that? And how the exactly is he going to do that? Two days. <laughs> I've been Spider-Ham 30 years. 
<laughs> and then he, he thought to ask, hey, what's this rated, by the way? And they're like, oh, PG. And he was like, oh, so you, you can't you use can't anything use any I just that said. Stuff I just... <laughs> and that's just so good. But the things he actually does say in the movie, like, that's all, folks. Oh, they're there. terrific. Everything he is says he is terrific. Is he allowed to say that legally? And I yeah, this is definitely a one for one liners. This I think movie so. crushes it on the one liners. This movie probably crushes it overall. This is gonna be one of our big ones. This is a big one. The final score for Spider Man into the Spider Verse is eight. That's lower than I thought. Oh no, it's a you know, you start throwing a couple point fives and a zero for parents. Yeah, because I got realistic. The zero definitely always gets it. The zero for parents is you know, it's out of our hands, but parents need to die sometimes in these movies. Maybe he I don't have to tell maybe you. would have had a better arc into Hero Dumb if he was if he lost a dad or something sure i don't know this movie has to fall in our top 10 in terms of super stuff we do have our top 10 and it does make it into there why don't we talk about our top 10 let's talk about it. 50 episodes in we got a whole bunch here let's just go through it real quick do you want me to start at 10 and go down to one i think so even though we know what one is because it blew the fucking doors off this thing sure did super Uh, stuff our arbitrary scale that we've been doing now for forever number 10 superman 2 with a 7.5 i love that movie and it shows yeah then we have a four-way tie. Four-way tie? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, between Wonder Woman, Shazam, Batman Begins, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Wow. Three DCs and a Marvel. Yeah. Nice. In fifth place, Spider-Man 2 with an 8.25. It's a great movie. And then we have another tie, a uh, two-way tie for third between Batman and Captain America. OG Batman, 1989. Yeah, 89. I didn't realize Captain America, the first Avenger, was that high. Got an eight and a half out of us. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Coming in second with a 9.25 is The Dark Knight. As it should be. And our number one movie with an 11 out of 10 is The Avengers. That one still. That's insane to me. And, you know, not my favorite of the top 10, but you can't argue with the arbitrary. If you had to pick a favorite movie that we've talked about so far, just in the whole grand scheme of things, one that really stands out to you. Like maybe one that you were like surprised by or one that just is not leaving your memory that you absolutely loved watching that you love talking about. You know, I don't want to say Into the Spider-Verse because we literally are talking about it right now. Yeah. But it is, it's so high up there on my list. You think so? Yeah. All right. What about you? Do you have one? The one that has always stood out to me is still The Toxic Avenger. That's true. It's, it's so I good. I loved that movie when I saw it. Yeah. It's absolutely loved it. Phenomenal. It was so much fun. So much fun. fun. I would say that the other one that stands out to me is got to be Venom. Really? Still, yeah, that one got me. Wonder Woman really got me. Wonder Woman was excellent. Yeah. I feel like there's been more movies that we've gone into that you haven't seen yet than there were that I hadn't seen. Oh, yeah. Because I know Venom and Wonder Woman were both new to you. They were. Which is obviously going to give a a bigger impact. I don't... What hadn't I seen before we went into it? A lot, but not a lot. Zoom. Howard the Duck. You never saw Zoom. Howard the Duck was <laughs> phenomenal, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, it's great. Even though people hate that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we have our bottom 10. Oh, the stinkers? The stinkers. Why don't you uh, start at number 10 work your way down to zero there? Number 41. Oh, boy. <laughs> when you put it that way, it sounds so much worse. Spider-Man 3 with a 3.75. And we still thought it was fine. Yeah, we were still okay with it. Yeah. But the score says otherwise. Sure. Tied for 43rd. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Sounds about right. And Watchmen. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Zack Snyder, man. <laughs> Popping up there, for sure. Tied for 45th. Defendor and Hancock. Appropriate. With a 2.25. Both stinkers. 
In 46th place, Super with 1.75. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow, what a movie that James was. Gunn. Rain Wilson. <laughs> Maybe you'll redeem yourself somewhere in the near future. Maybe. With some Guardians. Number 47, Star Kid with a 1.5. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Number 48 was Daredevil with half a point. Which we liked. Woo. Makes sense of that. I guess I, yeah, I liked it. You're right. You're on record saying that you liked it. Damn it. In 49th place, Zoom with a point two five. Yeah, that movie sucks that so movie hard. That movie was brutal. abysmal. Hard to get through. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> and of course, in last place, number 50 with a score of zero. Solid zero. The Incredible Hulk. Yep, that's, uh, oh, that movie's bad. Which I actually think might be the best of the bottom 10. <laughs> it, oh, I don't know about that. I think Daredevil is, which is sad. Yeah, actually, those you're are right. some stinkers. Well, man. Uh, maybe Spider-Man Three. Well, I know what's awesome about that bottom ten. What's that? Green Lantern's not on it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right. Green Lantern somehow makes it into yes our top thirty. I love it. <laughs> totally deserves spot. Lucky it with a with a solid five. Thanks for joining us for the last fifty episodes, and then all the other bonus ones in there too. We had a couple of the Capies and Potties and Stanley and Stanley and other things. If you have any comments, questions, or one-star reviews you want to send our way, you can send them to capepodcasters at gmail.com. One-star reviews about us. About us. Don't do that overall, please. Yeah. Five-star us. If you have any five-star reviews, you can throw those on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Cape Podcasters. And don't forget to keep listening after every episode for the post-credits. They're there. They are. Every single episode. What are we talking about next week? I um, I don't remember. I don't remember remember either. I guess we'll find out next week. I guess so. How about that? Wink. Ding. So we'll see you next week for mm. maybe some fireworks, some music, some anarchy. One of those things. Maybe all of them. Same pod time. Same pod channel. So, Brian, that's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. What do you think happens post-credits? I think we cut to the Fortress of Potitude. Oh, no. Get out. And we're recording an episode about Into the Spider-Verse when all of a sudden we start reading some one-star reviews about our own show. And we come across one that says, had to have it in my collection. The main reason for the star <laughs> subtracting is for Amazon, not the movie. Just wish that Amazon would let me custom arrange my video library instead of only offering by date purchased or alphabetical order. That guy's a monster. I would prefer to arrange my genre episode number and franchise so that I could group my movies together instead of having a hodgepodge to sort through. Can't wait for our next Marvel movie to see if it pops up. He's an absolute <laughs> monster. A treasure. Dave, what sure. do you think happens? What I think happens is we get this movie that's all black and white. We see Tobe Maguire walking around, and Reese Witherspoon's there, and so is Jeff Daniels, so is William H. Macy, and Joan Allen, and all these folks. Oh, my God. It's Pleasantville. Yes, it is. 
And at some point when he's getting his TV fixed, you just see the spider just start glitching out and it crawls onto Tobey Maguire's hand <laughs> and it bites him. He has no idea what's going on. <laughs> but the next morning he wakes up, he's all in color and he's all, all pixelated and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's kind of pleasant feeling to the Spider-Verse. <laughs> I love that idea so much. <laughs>